buzzing, cousin? What goes on with that look in your eye? What's buzzing, cousin? Does it mean what it think I imply? Oh, come on, let's have our fling. We know that spring has sprung. Ask your mother to hold her tongue. She had a feller when she was young. What's buzzing, cousin? What you say to a cuddle or two? What's buzzing, cousin? Oh, baby, what goes with you? I've talked about it for five seasons, and listeners have been asking for it for years. And today, I finally present my episode on incest in the movies. So get ready for sex with cousins, sex with parents, sex with siblings, inbreeding, underage Brooke Shields nudity, flowers in the attic, and even a brief history on the origins of incest. Oh yeah, and that time Michael J. Fox's mother had a crush on him. So put your parents, siblings, and cousins to bed early and get ready to feel uncomfortable as I present Incest. What's cozy rosy? What's ducky wucky? What's tutti fruity? What's hotty dotty? What's boogie woogie? Oh baby, what's with you? Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from murderous gays, to evil sandas, to horny nuns. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Tom. Hey, Slade. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Are you happy that I finally done this incest episode? I'm fine with it, mm-hmm. but I think listener Marlis will probably be extremely happy that yeah. you did this episode. It's funny. I said listeners have been asking for it. It's been like one listener. It's like Marlis. <laughs> it has. That's totally it's one fine. person. Yeah. And She's obsessed with incest. Obsessed with it. And here it is. <laughs> I don't know why I complained about it so much, because it was actually kind of fun once I started doing it. I guess my big issue with incest now is is incest hot or is it not hot like do you think it's gross or can it be hot <laughs> i don't i don't even want to ponder that like okay. i don't even want to look into that you can you, you do that you do you i'm just gonna sit here and be quiet i was writing stuff and i was like and then there's this really hot scene and i was like uh, is it hot i don't it's know not we'll get through the episode and then we'll decide whether some incest can be hot or not we'll take a vote we'll take incest. a pulse yeah hot right. or not hot incest. or not incest all right Let's talk about some listener comments because we have a lot. Okay, good. I'm going to do this in no particular order. So right off the bat from the suicide episode, we had a peg and whistle problem, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. What happened was I was talking about Florence Lawrence, who was the first movie star to commit suicide. Right. She'd been in over like 300 movies. And in 1938, she decided to commit suicide and she drank a bunch of cough syrup and ant paste, whatever the fuck that is. Oh, good old ant paste. Yeah. And I guess that did the trick. But while we were talking about it, I was talking 
talking about her, and you were like, oh, she's the one that jumped off the Hollywood sign, and for some reason I didn't catch it, or we just got caught up in the conversation, and we just sort of ran with that, but we were wrong. That's my bad, because I listened to this episode on Dead Blondes from You Must Remember This, and she did a whole episode on Peg Entwistle, and I got confused, so that was not your fault, that was my fault. And to clarify that, Peg Entwistle is the actual actress that jumped off of the Hollywood sign. Right. So we got the facts right, we just got the names of the people that did these things incorrect. Yeah, and listener Kate was the one that emailed us and brought this to our attention. So thanks, Thanks, Kate. Kate. We have a suggestion from listener Cheyenne who said, how about bodily fluids part three focusing on period blood? (laughs) Why don't you do that one time? (laughs) I'm all over it. All I can think of is like, what, Carrie? Carrie, that's the only one I was going to say. That's it. I don't think that we could do a whole episode on period blood, but we could do a whole episode on just periods. I guess. Like there's a lot of characters that have their period and then something happens because of that or have their period and then realize that they're not pregnant or something like that. Sure. I mean, there's some period subplots in movies that perhaps we could delve into if we were so inclined. Yeah. And then we could call it a period piece. Slums of Film History. A period period piece. That's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Good suggestion, actually. Thanks, Cheyenne. On your Bad Companies episode, Andrea mentioned Metropolis. Metropolis is more of a society of the future type of thing. It talks about workers a little bit, I guess, in the authoritarian future or whatever, you know, government. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It wasn't a specific company. All the ones in Bad Company that I talk about are specific companies like Whalen yutani or Omni Consumer Products. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was trying to focus on. So it's a good suggestion. Suggestion it is Metropolis is an interesting film, but I didn't think it really fit. Again, thanks for the suggestion, the feedback. Yep. From our Splatter episode, listener Steve mentioned that there were earlier uses of gore in plays even before Grand Guignol. So things like Oedipus Rex, Titus Andronicus, they weren't necessarily gore plays, but there was gore in them. So cool. that there were kind of earlier forms of that even before Grand Guignol. So thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And then we had another suggestion from listener Jack who talked about uh, using blackface in movies. Uh, uh, you don't want to go there. The, I don't know. I, I will say that one of our earliest topics that we talked about even before we did this was whitewashing. You right. know, using a white character to portray an Asian like in Breakfast at Tiffany's or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And that was kind of a big one. It was really big at the time because what was that Cameron Crowe movie that came out about Hawaii? Who was it? Emma Stone played somebody um, whose last name was Chang or something like that. Right. And everybody was like, oh, come on, come on. Right, that's ridiculous. It reminds me of Short Circuit, where Fisher Stevens played an Indian guy. Yeah, we talked about that in one of the episodes. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I don't know. But super offensive. Yeah. So, it's, a, it's a really good suggestion. I don't think we could just do blackface. I think we would have to be kind of a whitewashing in general episode. Yeah. That would it be might be too highbrow for us. It may, actually. After the period piece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where do you go from there? And then also on Splatter, listener Lazio said he wished that the episode came out a few weeks later because, of course, you know that Lars Van Trier's new movie, The House That Jack Built, is coming out and people oh, yeah. are furious. They're walking out. The <laughs> reviews funny. are actually kind of not great, which yeah. usually Lars Van Trier can kind of like pull up some good reviews if he needs to even though you know on something like antichrist like it's not exactly critic material but i was just having a conversation with a co-worker and he was like what do you think about the house that jack built and i was like i'm sure it's terrible like right antichrist is not a good movie Mm -mm. i really enjoyed it and (laughs) i'm just really happy that lars van trier exists as a human being right i feel like we're a better people because he's making all these horrible movies that i really really enjoy fair enough yeah but most importantly 
importantly, this is the most important listener comment we've ever had. Okay, what is it? It's from Kristen, and she says, I love that you mentioned street trash. I bought this flick a few years ago because it looked outlandish. I was beginning to think I was the only one who had ever heard of it. We used to think the same thing. Yeah. And now we found each other. Kristen, we're so glad that now the three of us have all seen street (laughs) trash. Right. And that we can all appreciate it for the cinematic masterpiecery that it is. It, yes. We can form like a therapy group or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's the most important comment we've ever gotten. I'd Someone else that. has seen Street Trash. Right. Though. All right. Those are our comments. So thanks, everyone. Keep them coming. Yeah. So I'm going to set a few ground rules to start off. Today, I'm not talking about child incest because that's child abuse and that's gross. Yeah. So no child abuse. Good, thank you. I'm really only talking about consensual incest between two adults. Okay. Obviously, we'll talk about things like Blue Lagoon. You know, they Mm. are kind of like consenting age, but they're at least close enough to consenting age since Brooke Shields did have a baby in the movie. So there's a bunch of movies like a Serbian film that have really awful pedophilia incest. I'm completely ignoring all of that. Good. I'm also going to break this episode up a little differently this time. You know, I love doing chronological episodes being like, here's the first movie and then all the way to the last movie and know that you try to break yours up a little bit. I'm going to follow your lead and I'm going to break this one up into relationship type. I'm going to start with siblings and then we kind of go to cousins, parents, you know, stuff like that. So I break them (laughs) up into incest type. All right. I like that you're fucking with the format on this one. Yep. So let's start with a little bit of incest history. Let's. The word incest is derived from the Latin word incestus, which means impure or unchaste. Terms like incest and incestual have been used to describe sex with human relatives, while inbreed and inbreeding has been used in relation to similar behavior, but more about like non-human animals or organisms. Gotcha. In ancient China, first cousins with the same surname, so those that were born to their father's brothers, were not permitted to marry. So maternal cousins or paternal cousins born to their father's sisters were allowed to marry. Okay. Several of the Egyptian pharaohs married their siblings and had several children with them. It's now generally accepted that siblings Sibling marriages were widespread among all classes in Egypt during the Roman period. In Oedipus, Oedipus is punished for his insectuous actions by blinding himself. In the sequel to Oedipus, Antigone, his four children are also punished for their parents' incestuousness. Incest appears in the birth of Adonis when his mother Mira has sex with her father during a festival disguised as a prostitute. Pretty sneaky. Mm-hmm. In ancient Greece, Spartan King Leonidas was married to his niece Gorgo, daughter of his half-brother. Greek law actually allowed marriage between a brother and sister if they had different mothers. There's incest in the Bible, of course, but there's also a ton of non-human incest. Some chimpanzees have been recorded attempting to mate with their mothers. Male rats have been recorded engaging in mating with their sisters, but they tend to prefer non-related females over sisters. Livestock breeders often practice controlled breeding to eliminate undesirable characteristics within a population. But fruit flies prefer their own brothers, and bed bugs have evolved so much that their kids no longer have birth defects from inbreeding. So we're going to talk about inbreeding a little bit later in the episode, but are you you look so uncomfortable <laughs> no, already. No, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of these fruit flies in these tiny little trailer parks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're like, damn, I'm getting a boner for my mom. Yeah. (laughs) We're just flying around. We'll be dead in 24 hours. Yeah, so we better start fucking. (laughs) 
It's what we think about here. Uh-huh. Thanks, Marlis. I don't know if I said that, but <laughs> thanks for your suggestion of this topic, Marlis. It only gets worse, don't worry. I imagine it does. All right, let's talk about the movies. Oh, let's. Since the production code didn't really allow for any sex whatsoever, it definitely didn't allow for any incestuous relationships. So it wasn't until the 60s that we started seeing incest in the movies. Okay. The first one I could find was an Italian film called Sandra of a Thousand Delights from 1965. <laughs> I swear that sounds familiar. Like, we talked about that before. We might have. It was a brother and sister incest story. So we'll start there. Topic in general, brother and sister incest. Okay. Sandra of a Thousand Delights is a modernized version of the Greek myth Electra, who with her brother plotted revenge against their mother and stepfather for the murder of their father. Yeah. This version added the incest plot, apparently just to steam it up a little bit. I couldn't find it online, but it won the gold line at the Venice Film Festival in 1965. Huh. If anyone's seen Sandra of a Thousand Delights, please let us know. Yeah. But that was followed up by one of the craziest brother and sister incest movies, and that was Russ Meyer's X-rated softcore hit Vixen from 1968. You remember talking about this? Yeah, we talked about Vixen. Russ Meyer's Vixen, the story of a girl who loves the joy of being alive and gives herself innocently to the merry chase of life. Vixen, an adult motion picture experience that is rated X. The management of this theater urges you to see Russ Meyer's Vixen. Rough plot, a woman named Vixen lives with her pilot husband in Canada and sexually manipulates everyone she comes in contact with, including her husband's passengers, male and female. She also seduces and sleeps with a Canadian Mountie, and then she sleeps with her own brother after a fairly controversial shower scene. Hmm. Vixen made a fortune at the box office. It was made for $74,000 and made $8 million. And of course, that was the movie where when 20th Century Fox realized how much money Russ Meyer was making, they asked him to direct Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, right, right. That's the reason why we have this, is because of the brother and sister incest movie, Vixen. (laughs) Thanks, Vixen. A couple years later in 1980, Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker share a small kiss in The Empire Strikes Back. It was kind of unclear at that point whether George Lucas knew that they were going to be brother and sister a little bit later down the line. You're rolling your eyes. I don't know. I don't know either. They don't really say that they're brother and sister until the third movie. Right. At the very end of the second movie, Yoda's like, there's another Jedi out there, but you don't know who he's referring to. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was open-ended at the time to where they could have added anything they wanted to in the third movie because you don't find out for sure until the third movie. Right, sure. We didn't know it was an incestual kiss. And then when we look back later, we're like, oh, they kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. Also in 1980, there was another huge movie that came out with a brother and sister incest plot, and that movie was Caligula. (laughs) Oh, God. Caligula was, of course, Penthouse's Bob Guccione, and it was a hardcore porn period piece. Oh, period piece! Nice. That we talked about extensively in every episode we've ever done, but... For today's episode, let's just talk about the incest subplot. Okay. In the movie, once Malcolm McDowell as Caligula is named the new emperor, he pronounces his sister and lover Drusilla as his equal. Everyone is shocked and outraged, so Drusilla insists that he finds a wife, even if it's just a stunt wife, to bear him an heir, since if they do it, the kid will have chromosome problems. He does this, but Drusilla gets sick and dies, and Caligula has a nervous breakdown and drags her dead body through the castle. You remember that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He dresses up like a beggar and goes out into the streets and realizes everyone is making fun of him for boning his sister. This infuriates him further, and he freaks out in public. He gets thrown in jail. Soon after, he's killed in a sting by Cassius, who takes over the throne. There's a lot of, like, sexy brother and sister scenes, but be warned, this is not a sexy movie. If you want to see some hot brother and sister incest, do not watch Caligula. It's incorrect. Um, and if you want to see a good movie, don't watch Caligula. 
It is the hottest mess of a movie. It is like awful. it's expensive. It looks expensive. It really does. It was expensive. It is garbage. Again, Bob Guccione does not know how to make a movie. He does not. And I feel bad for all the legit actors in there. Peter O'Toole, Helen Mirren, yeah. um, even Malcolm McDowell. I mean, Jesus, it was I'm just, awful. I'm so glad it exists, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm glad it's around. It's, just, it's terrible. Speaking of Malcolm McDowell, he's also in Cat People from 1982, where Cat he tries people. to have sex with Natasha Kinski because they're weird leopard people and their parents <laughs> were brother and sister. But I want to move on to 1987 and talk about Flowers in the Attic. Oh, God, yeah. Flowers in the Attic was a sort of gothic novel written by V.C. Andrews in 1979, and it sold a shitload of copies and spawned a bunch of book sequels. Yeah. The rights for the movie were secured, and at one time, even Wes Craven was going to direct it. Did you know this? No, I didn't know that part. The producers were really worried about it since Wes Craven's treatment had a lot of like added violence, and it was really, really incesty. <laughs> so the producers scrapped him, and it took another few years to get it made. That's Once fine. it was finally finished by director Jeffrey Bloom, it tested terribly terribly with target audiences and that was young adult females and so they had to completely rework it and shoot extra scenes so the rough plot a young family's father dies in a tragic car accident leaving the mother and four children named chris kathy Corey, and carrie with no money and a lot of bills they were the original kardashian names right (laughs) they move into their rich grandparents home but no one can know that children live there so they're locked in the attic it's later revealed that the mother had married her uncle and her parents had never forgiven her so she planned to regain her father's love so that he would include her in his will but she never told him that she had children the father was like if he ever found out that you know she had children he wouldn't be in the will because of course it was an incestual relationship right yeah i love that i'm like explaining the plot of flowers in the attic to you and you're just like i don't care (laughs) i don't but i do have some things to talk about when you get through though great meanwhile the kids are living in the attic and not doing well chris and kathy start to become attracted to each other and end up having sex and falling in love and being parental figures to the younger two children long story short the grandmother starts to poison the kids one of them dies they find out and escape vowing someday to get revenge so that was the original book that was the (laughs) what was what it was the movie was supposed to be right yeah so that version went into testing and women were horrified by the incestuous plot they also hated the scenes where Louise Fletcher whips her daughter. Do you remember this? Did you ever see this movie? I know. Fuck no, I never saw this movie. I love it. It's terrible. You've watched it? I've seen Flowers in the Attic 47,000 <laughs> times. I saw the Lifetime remake. I saw oh, the sequel. Jesus. I read Flowers in the Attic when I was a kid. I I loved this. Yeah. Did you read any of the sequels? Because there's like 8,000 Yeah, Petals sequels. on the Wind. Yeah, that one's super sexy. <laughs> it's all just like brother and sister fucking. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I can't I'm, stop laughing. You ma- now that I think about it, I want to read it again like i'm gonna read it i'm gonna buy it on amazon and read it a second time don't now i know what to get you for christmas it's trash (laughs) in addition to cutting that whole plot point out the producers also wanted to get it a pg-13 rating so more romantic or even kind of tender moments were also trimmed out of them to get that right and then they decided to add a revenge scene at the ending the actress that played the mother walked off set a new director was brought in and they filmed a scene where kathy tries to force her mother to eat a poison cookie she stumbles backwards and falls off the balcony and gets hung by her own wedding veil and then the kids leave so that was completely done with like stand-in actors and actresses just because nobody in the movie wanted to film that scene later even the new cut of flowers in the attic was critically panned since all the good stuff from the original novel had been removed they called it boring and stiff and poorly acted so stiff yeah (laughs) so here's a movie that critics actually wanted to see brother and sister doing it more apparently (laughs) They were like, once they took that whole thing, the critics were like, this sucks now. It's boring. Put the incest back in. That's funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Lars von Trier's Flowers in the Attic. (laughs) 
That would have been some shit. I would love that. Oh, my God. I'd be so excited. <laughs> oh, that's an opening nighter for me. Yeah, no shit. They have come to seek refuge. Secrets are kept. Where the future is haunted by the past. Where the innocent live in the shadow of sin. Where a dark legacy awaits to destroy all who defy it. The one truth they have yet to face. My God. Is the terror no one could imagine. Mama? Flowers in the Attic. Victoria Tennant. Academy Award winner Louise Fletcher. Based on the bestsellers that have shocked 40 million readers worldwide. Flowers in the Attic. So I gotta say something about this. Please do. Alright, so Flowers in the Attic, the book, when I was a kid and it was out, every teenage girl I knew was reading that shit. Every single one was reading that shit. And I tried to ask years later, you know, some people I knew back then, and I was like, what was the appeal? And I don't know, they just fucking love this book. No one could really give me a good answer of why they love this book, but they love this this series. And most of the girls I knew read the whole fucking series. But also look at that time. You're talking about the 80s, and there really wasn't a young adult publishing thing like now. Yeah, no, there was... No Games, no fucking Twilight, you know, so... Right. People went from reading, like, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Like, that... That was kind <laughs> of incest. like a yeah to Some like beeline street and then to there was there was nothing fucking... in between there was nothing in between that book which no. was a controversial book for girls right there was nothing in between that and a grocery store romance novel and yeah. flowers in the attic kind of fulfilled that need so tales of the fourth grade nothing straight to incest yeah yeah I love that you're like every teenage girl and I was like and and slate and slate yes yeah. Should've That's known. funny. That, Should have known that you read that. Yep. I'm totally getting you that this year. For I can't wait. I'm going to read the whole thing and get you the hardcover leather bound edition. I want all of them. Like I want them. You know, like the whole. <laughs> I think like there's five of them. them. <laughs> I think that, okay. I'll settle for the first three. All right, fair that? enough. We'll do it. Of course, there was Cruel Intentions from 1999, which mm-hmm. was stepbrother and sister. Yeah. But the premise was if Ryan. Fel- is it Ryan Felipe? Sure. Ryan yeah. Felipe yeah. could have sex with virginal Reese Witherspoon, then he would also get to have sex with his stepsister, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. If not, he had to give her his car. So that happened. Yeah. One of my favorite early 2000s NC-17 movies was Bertolucci's The Dreamers from 2003. The Dreamers was Michael Pitt. You remember Michael Pitt? Yeah. He's yeah. a Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. He's an American in Paris that befriends brother and sister Eva Green and Luis Guerrero. Uh, Luis Guerrero comes up a little bit later. He moves in with them and they begin a weird but super hot love triangle that doesn't really show brother and sister sex, but it's implied. Hmm. There's some great nudity as well, as mentioned in our episode on the rise and fall of NC-17. Yeah. So I really love this movie. We've spoken mostly up to this point about consensual brother and sister sex, but there is a decent movie from Mexico called Daniel and Anna from 2009. Never heard of it. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal's brother, Dario Bernal. You know, Gail Garcia Bernal is my favorite actor of all time. Okay. And so I will see anything he's in and apparently anything that his brother's in too. Okay. But he, along with his sister, are abducted in Mexico City and forced to have sex with each other on camera. It's part of kind of like, oh, this is like a different type of porn. And I think that they're kind of like society probably not as high as like Paris Hilton mm-hmm. but like they're kind of like society they get abducted and then they're forced to have sex and they sell that sex video on like the underground market oh wow it's not the best movie ever made it's kind of exploitive but it's kind of worth watching as well okay here's some Oscar nominated brother and sister incest oh great the Greek foreign film nominee Dogtooth from 2009 yeah yeah Dogtooth was the second film of Yorgos Lanthimos 
Lanthimos. I think I got that right, actually. You might have. For once. Who has since made The Lobster and The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which mm-hmm. is... Have you seen The Killing of the Sacred Deer? I right? haven't. Oh, my God. It's so good. That's my, That was one of my favorite movies of last year. Dogtooth was a pretty big deal back in 2009 because it was really bizarre. It's sexual. It's violent. Mm-hmm. It's about parents that hold their adult children captive, and they force the oldest male to have sex with one of the daughters. A lot of people said that most of the Academy members didn't watch the foreign film nominees that year, and a few younger ones really loved the movie Dogtooth and that's how it managed to get nominated. I'm not going to spoil this movie because it's a must-see if you haven't seen it, but it's not for the faint of heart. It's not. Do you remember that everybody was like, how did this movie get nominated yeah. for Best Foreign Film? Also, if you look at the trailer, it looks kind of like a quirky comedy. Yeah. It's not that. Yeah. But it's weird. It's it's like, you know, because everything that's indie, they have a quirky trailer. It's like, right, oh, this sure. is different, but it's, it's kind of fucked up. It's not a comedy. No. Yeah. So in later years, in order to vote on the foreign films you have to be at screenings of them because they know that nobody ever watches them right and they said that basically none of the older voters showed up this year to that and so this one squeezed in because only the younger voters showed up to watch the foreign film nominees i thought that was so funny that's hilarious all right that brings us to cousin incest i'm only going to talk about a couple of cousin films because cousin incest isn't really that bad But of course, that brings us to one of my favorite 1980s incest movies, The Blue Lagoon from 1980. Oh, yeah. The Blue Lagoon was right in the middle of Brooke Shields' mania. Mm -hmm. She had played a prostitute in Louis Mal's film Pretty Baby and was the youngest Vogue cover model ever and had already done her notorious TV ad for Calvin Klein jeans. And then The Blue Lagoon came out, which she was practically naked throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And she was only 14. Let's back all of that up. Okay. And say that had the type of publicity in the films existed now, and just that whole gamut of the Brooke Shields era happened now, it would be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, totally. Because she was extremely jailbaity and way too young to be doing this stuff. The movie you mentioned, Pretty Baby, I had researched it for like Hooker Vengeance to see if it fit into that. And essentially, that whole plot of that movie is her being groomed by this brothel to be sold off to some rich old man at the age of like 13. Yeah. That's the plot of that movie. Right. That was success in that movie. It's like, oh, she got sold oh, off good. to some She's a hooker now. She, yeah. yeah. So she was in some movies that no one of her age now would be in. Yeah, that would, that would never be allowed. It was just such a 70s and 80s time frame when that shit went down like that in the way her career panned out at that time but now it's it's eerie and it's creepy yeah and blue lagoon was creepy yeah the blue lagoon is about two young cousins in the victorian era that get shipwrecked with a galley cook on a deserted island they grow up on the island as if it were completely normal until the cook dies suddenly and they have to fend for themselves they grow into teenagers and eventually start to become attracted to each other since there's you know no one else they end up having sex and brooke shields gets pregnant Although they don't know, they just think that she's fat. (laughs) She has the baby and learns to breastfeed it by trial and error. The young family lives happily together as their parents still unknowingly search for them. They take a small boat out and become stranded literally without a paddle, but they're eventually found by their parents. Mm -hmm. Blue Lagoon got awful reviews and was universally panned and made fun of, but it made a fortune at the box office. Clearly people wanted to see a half-naked 14-year-old Brooke Shields more than they wanted to see, you know, a good movie. Fun fact, Brooke Shields had to use a body double for the scenes where she was in motion and her boobs could be seen. For the scenes where she was topless, her wig was glued to her boobs to ensure that there was never a nipple slip, like an underage nipple slip. 
<laughs> glued to her boobs. Yeah, I forgot she had long hair that covered her boobs. Yeah, you mentioned that people wanted to see her, but wasn't Christopher Atkins like oh, a little yeah. heartthrobby oh, kid at hot, the time too? Hot, so, hot, yeah. And he did full nudity in that. We talked about it in the nudity episode. Oh, that's right. You yeah. Know? So you could see full frontal nudity. I think he was nineteen at the time, and he went on to kind of do. I think he did Playgirl, and he did yeah. some other like nude modeling too. Oh yeah, Christopher Atkins hot as shit. <laughs> that's hilarious. He was of age, so it's okay. I know it's fine. But here's the thing too with Blue Lagoon. This is a little story of mine that was also on movie channel all, all the, time. the time every day that every movie day. was on and so i was like 10 or 11 watching that fucking movie i've seen that movie so many yeah. times but i've never seen that movie i know what you mean by that like i've seen it all the parts enough to have the whole movie yeah. together but there's a scene in the movie that always freaked me out. It's when uh, the guy that they had were stranded with, the old man. Patty. I think he drank a lot or something. He was an alcoholic. And yeah. he drank himself, I think, to death because he was dead on the beach when they discovered him. That's correct. And like a crab crawled out of his mouth. And that freaked me out as a kid, like yeah. really bad. Yeah. I was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. And I always remember that because I was, you know, 10 when I saw that. I just remember that the fact that they were just like so dumb. I mean, they were kids. So, of course, they're right. supposed to be stupid. But like when you look at a shipwrecked movie like Blue Lagoon and then you look at something like Castaway, not like Castaway is a perfect movie it certainly isn't no but when they did the transition between the tooth when he knocks his tooth out and then a couple years later when he's just this weathered old skinny Mr. Shipwrecked right. man that knows everything that can do everything like whatever these kids are so fucking dumb like she yeah. can't even fucking figure out how to breastfeed a kid like they're so stupid they, they, they should have died anything. a long time ago on that yeah island. they use like different language because they don't they didn't learn anything past when Patty right. died and like the language is stupid the dialogue is crap they're fucking idiots they're like, fucking idiots they're hot so that's good so that's but like they're that's so stupid yeah yeah and you bring up a good point with Castaway that's the appeal of that was that he used ingenuity to keep himself alive and it was a fucking struggle and then three years later yeah he's skin and bones but he's been trying to survive on this island these kids are just wandering around an island they naked just, like they boning each other yeah. yeah but they were hot so I guess or hot whatever. Yeah. Or yeah whatever sorry Tom Hanks but yeah can't compare Chris Frack is beat you out at, yeah. on that one I guess there was some cousin incest in one of Kate Winslet's earlier films after Heavenly Creatures called Jude from 1996. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. And also August Osage County from 2013. Hmm. But I got a bunch of other movies that I want to talk about. So let's switch gears and let's talk about Sigmund Freud for a minute. Okay. Incest was typically a pretty taboo subject for hundreds of years until Sigmund Freud published his theory called The Oedipus Complex. And that was the idea that young boys form a sexual attachment to their mothers accompanied by resentment and hostility towards their fathers, whom they regard as rivals for their mother's attention. For girls, it was this in reverse called the Electra Complex. Hmm. The first two films I could find about an incestuous mother-son relationship are, of course, foreign films. The first, My Lover, My Son, from 1970, <laughs> from what I can tell was wow. more of a non-physical affair between a mother and son where the mother takes the son's side after he kills his father. Hmm. But the second film, Murmur of the Heart, from 1971, has full-on mother and son sex. Damn. Surprisingly, the movie was really well-received and even got nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars. Really? The sex scene was with a mother and her 15-year-old son after drinking too much at a Bastille Day celebration. When they sober up and confront the issue, they say it will never happen again, but they don't need to feel ashamed or remorseful. Needless to say, this was not the same sentiment of any American films moving forward. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Completely different, but also a bit odd, was the Oedipus and Freud smackdown theme in Back to the Future from 1985. Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox goes back in time but accidentally prevents his mother and father from meeting and has to figure out how to set them up. 
In the meantime, his mother develops a crush on him instead, and family-friendly incest hilarity ensues. This was something Disney was not really a fan of, but writer (laughs) Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis stayed strong on the plot since the whole thing came out of Bob Gale looking through his father's yearbook and wondering if he were alive back then, would they be friends? And when you think about it, it makes sense that a mother would unknowingly be attracted to her own son since it's half her chromosomes and half the man she decided to have a child with. So it does kind of make sense. But that was an unknowing attraction. I want to move on to Bad Boy Bubby from 1993, which was, an, you know this movie? <laughs> no, Me but neither. the title is funny. It's an Australian black comedy and which was, according to the internet, a really amazing movie. It's about a man that has never set foot outside his mother's dingy apartment in the back of a printing press. Hmm. His mother beats him and sexually abuses it's a comedy by the way she (laughs) sounds like it she confides him to the apartment telling him that the air outside is poisonous and telling him he'll die if he tries to leave he eventually escapes joins up with a rock band and embarks on a journey of self-discovery and shocking mayhem according to the internet i like shocking mayhem Uh so one of the reasons i was interested in this topic was because of a movie i saw back on vhs when i was in high school and that movie was david o russell's first film spanking the monkey from 1995 i was waiting for you to get to this one spanking the monkey was made on a two hundred thousand dollar budget back in the day that you could still do that and made a million and a half at the box office and was considered a huge success it also won the audience award at sundance and the independent spirit award for best first screenplay needless to say it gave him some ammo for his next film flirting with disaster Mm -hmm. that led to three kings silver linings playbook etc right but let's talk about the incest have you seen this i saw it a long time ago when it came out i think i saw it on video or hbo or something but and i don't remember much about it but i know it's also a comedy it is yep so i just watched it again it's it's good it's still good still good okay so spanking the monkey is about jeremy davies you may remember him from twister lost and i think he's in that new show justified okay yeah he comes home from college to help take care of his mother after she breaks her leg because his father has to travel for work Jeremy Davies has already separated himself from his hometown and his family and coming back, you know, really like regresses him. He has to help his mother to the bathroom and the shower and rubbing lotion on her legs under the cast. Their roles kind of reverse and he becomes kind of like the caretaker, you know, typically kind of more of the mother figure. And she becomes more of like the son figure. He starts to fall back into his high school friends and tendencies and one night gets drunk with his mother and they have sex. The rest of the movie is all of the stuff he has been dealing with, but now with the experience of having sex with his mother as well, which didn't really make anything better. No. Rolling Stone actually gave it four stars when it came out and said, quote, in the bygone days of The Graduate, you could still shake up audiences by showing them a college boy boffing a woman old enough to be his mother. Now she is his mother. Shit happens. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Remember when I said Louise Garrel was in another incest movie? Mm-hmm. That movie was Ma Mare from 2005. And this time, instead of banging his sister, like in The Dreamers, he banged his mother. <laughs> Ma Mare is an odd little movie. Have you heard of this one? I've heard of the title. I've never seen the movie. Yeah. It's very different from Murmur of the Heart or even Spanking the Monkey, where sex between mother and son happens when they're both drunk and then never again. Right. Rough plot. Luis Garrel comes home from boarding school to Spain to spend the summer with his mom and dad. His father dies pretty early into the movie, and his mother starts revealing things things about her and her dad that Luis Garrel never knew. The main thing is that they were both very into sex and had multiple partners and were into all kinds of weird shit. I'm not calling it weird in general, just weird that your mom's into it. Mm -hmm. She gets one of her friends to take his virginity while she watches, and then later while he's fucking the same girl, he touches his mom and stares into her eyes. She leaves before things go any further, but returns, and they agree to have sex. 
Mamma Mia is like really fucked up and it's not a good movie, but I'm not going to spoiler the ending because it's so fucked up. And there's also a lot of like male and female frontal nudity. So there's that. It's worth seeing. <laughs> All right, Mamma It's not a good movie. No, it doesn't sound like it, but, but it sounds you know, like something. So, you know how sometimes when you're like, oh, I hear this foreign movie isn't very good, but there's a lot of sex and nudity right. in it. And you're like, I think I'll watch it. I mean, we're going to do after you read all the Flowers in the Attic books anyway. Yeah. Got to do something. The ending is upsetting. I'll just put it that way. Okay. All right. We're going to move on to Please. father and son or daughter incest. Okay. A lot fewer films exist with father-daughter incestual relationships. Yeah. I've left out a bunch because they're child molestation cases, like in Gaspar Noe's I Stand Alone and mm-hmm. the movie Precious. There's a 1981 dramedy called Beau Pyre, but that's about a guy who sleeps with his 14-year-old stepdaughter, so I can't talk about that. Right. I can't talk about the Dutch film The Celebration from 1998 because it's about a father who molested his twins, a boy and a girl. Or The Quiet from 2005, where the father is molesting his daughter and he gets killed at the end. Charlotte Gainsbourg was actually in a movie called Charlotte Fever when she was a kid with her real-life father in 1986 and released a song called Lemon Incest, but she was underage at the time, so I can't talk about that. I did find one movie from 1974 that I could talk about. It's a consensual oral sex scene from the classic film Pink Flamingos. Oh my god. Technically in the film it's a mother and son scene, but since Divine is played by a man, maybe it's father and son? Yeah. Either way, Divine and her son Crackers become so excited by licking Connie and Raymond Marble's furniture that she goes down on him. Mm -hmm. Oh, Crackers! Crackers, my only baby Crackers! My own flesh and blood! My own heritage! My own genes! Oh, Oh, Crackers! Let Mama be figured like a Union. Oh. Let Mama make a gift to you. A oh. gift that only a mother can make. A oh. gift so special will curse this house oh. for years after we're gone. Oh, oh Crackers, a gift of supreme motherhood. Oh. A gift of divinity. Oh, Mama. Uh, uh, oh, Mama. Oh, yes, Mama, accept your gift. Accept it as a loving son should, Mama. Yes, Mama, I'm yours. Completely yours. Oh, Crackers, oh. prepare to receive oh. the most divine gift a oh. mother can Oh, oh, mama, mama. The movie The War Zone was Tim Roth's directorial debut about a family where an 18-year-old daughter was in a sexual relationship with her father. But there's a scene, according to the internet, he sodomizes her against her will. So, of course, I can't talk about that. There's a kind of weird dynamic between father and daughter in the movie The Ballad of Jack and Rose from 2005. It's Daniel Day-Lewis and Catherine Keener, and was directed by Daniel Day-Lewis's wife. I didn't really find out much about it, but it didn't sound like it was a very good movie. Mm -mm. However, I did find a consensual uncle and nephew relationship movie, and I want to play a scene for you. Are you ready? Probably not, but go for it. Okay. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're a cock-sucking, ass-licking Uncle Fucker. You're an Uncle Fucker. Yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're the one that fucked your uncle, Uncle Fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn. You just fuck your uncle all day long. Yes. Finally, I showed you something that didn't horrify you. It didn't. I forgot all about Uncle Fucker. Old Uncle Fucker, yeah. I thought I'd lighten the mood a little bit. I'm glad it's a nice bit of levity in the midst of all this (laughs) Uncle Fucking... Oh, I love it when you fall for my jokes. It happens pretty rarely, because my jokes aren't usually very funny or ingenious, but thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm going to call this father-son-daughter incest to fail, uh, (laughs) because I really kind of didn't really find really anything there that I could talk about. And we're going to move on and talk about inbreeding. Oh, good. I feel like we covered some of this in Hicksploitation. We did, and there's a little bit of overlap, so I kind of just skimmed over that stuff. But I do want to talk about inbreeding, because it's funny. And it's fucked up, but 
funny, yeah. I wrote a whole bunch of reasons why if you're related, then your kid will be born fucked up, but none of it really <laughs> makes sense. I'm just going to stumble through all the words and not going to be able to pronounce them, but just that's true. Okay. And also, the closer related you are, the more your kids are going to be fucked up. Yeah. Okay. That's a scientific fact. That's I know thing. that that's true. Right. The first inbreeding movie I could find was the Jack Hill B-movie Spider Baby from 1968. <laughs> Have you heard of Spider Baby? Yes, and I thought we talked about Spider Baby. This was my find for this episode. You know how like in every episode you find a movie that you've never heard of and you watch and you're like, oh my God, yeah. how did I not know this? This is the movie. Oh, Spider shit. Baby Spider is amazing. Baby. I'm going to show you the trailer for it. Okay. American General Pictures imprisons you in a bloody web of terror. Spider Baby has the seductive innocence of Lolita and the savage hunger of a black widow. Spider Baby will give you nightmares forever. No man that loves her lives to love another. Her sweet kisses engulf you in a bloody web of horror. Spider Baby will thrill you, then kill you. Starring Spider Baby and Lon Chaney. So, holy shit. This movie is insane. If you hadn't have told me that you actually watched this movie... I would have thought that was a fake. You thought trailer. it was fake, yeah, totally. It doesn't seem like that should be a real movie. No, but um, I, I want to see it now. It's so good. I watched it and it was just like, this movie is amazing. I'm watching it a second time. I watched it two times <laughs> in wow. one night. It's so good. Did you find it online or do you actually it's have it? Free a, online. I guess what mm-hmm. I'm doing yep. later. All right. Spider Baby is about the inbred Mary family living in a decaying mansion with their chauffeur, Bruno, played by Lon Chaney. Okay. The children suffer from Mary syndrome, a made up genetic affliction. <laughs> <laughs> unique to members of their families, which causes them to mentally regress down the evolutionary ladder, starting in late childhood. Two distant relatives arrive with their lawyer and his secretary in order to examine and claim the property as heirs. Bruno's shaky control over the children deteriorates. Murder, chaos, and insanity ensue. Wow. So some of the weird stuff they do. So this is the inbred family. Virginia is known as Spider Baby because of her obsession with spiders. She stalks and eats bugs and walks like a spider in the beginning she traps a delivery man in her web and stabs him to death with two butcher (laughs) knives that she calls her fangs oh wow ralph is a sexually advanced but mentally deficient simpleton who moves through the house via the dumbwaiter you can see that in the trailer yeah yeah there is a skeleton of the family's dead father that's being kept in the bedroom and virginia kisses it every night before bed oh that's nice Dinner is served after Ralph happily kills a cat for the main course. The meal includes insects, mushrooms, and a garden salad made of weeds. Virginia and her sister... A grass sandwich. A grass sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Virginia and her sister Elizabeth murder the lawyer and dump his body into the basement where a bunch of the other relatives eat him. (laughs) So how does this masterpiece end? Lon Chaney returns and realizes that he's lost control of the children and their secret unsavory lives. He lights a bundle of dynamite and he blows himself, the house, and the children all up to bits. Wow. The cousin escapes with his girlfriend and he wrote a book on their affliction. Mm -hmm. He adds that this particular branch of the family was distant enough to be immune to the syndrome. However, the camera cuts to his young daughter who looks a lot like Virginia and she's staring at a spider web. And that's the (laughs) ending. Wow. Movie is bonkers. Oh, I gotta watch this fucking movie. Spider Baby is a 
comedy, I guess, but has some really like horrific elements. So it makes sense that the next film that we see inbreeding in is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie, of course, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go into the plot because we'll be here all day. But the inbreeding plot line has even more of a role in the sequel with Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Wes Craven took some of the plot elements and some of the props to make the hills have eyes a couple of years later. We talked about that in Cannibalism. Yeah. Black Christmas has some inbreeding, Cabin Fever, and Wrong Turn. You know, the sequels of Wrong Turn. All mm-hmm. of those are inbreeding movies. Yeah. In Wrong Turn, the family is almost superhuman. So even though they're not exactly pleasant to look at, they're good hunters. So at yeah. least they can put that on their Tinder profiles, I guess. Yeah. They're mutants, too. Like, they're big, they're mutant, big, giant, inbred mutant, mutant yeah. inbred people. Yeah, it's like the guys from Deliverance fell into toxic waste. Yeah. And became the wrong turn people. The wrong turn movies aren't bad. I haven't seen the sequels. I didn't mind the first one. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. But perhaps the most famous non-horror movie to deal with inbreeding was Deliverance from 1972. Oh, yeah. As the city guys are about to canoe down the South Kalawahasi River, they stumble on a boy with a banjo. And he looks very inbred mm-hmm. he emotionlessly plays the dueling banjos better than ronnie cox in the movie this is one of the most famous scenes from deliverance but yeah. the banjo boy wasn't inbred at all his name was billy redden and director john borman picked him from a nearby school because of his kind of skinny frame he had a big head and you know kind of like almond shaped eyes yeah further adding to his weird appearance he wore a special shirt which allowed a real banjo player to hide behind him for the scene which was shot in carefully chosen camera angles that would conceal the actual banjo player oh i didn't know that yeah so his arms were slipped around redden's waist since redden couldn't actually play the banjo isn't that interesting that is interesting another interesting fact billy redden is also in tim burton's big fish as ewan mcgregor walks in in that little town of spectra there's a banjo player to the left that's him wow imagine that that's Mm -hmm. awesome yep so I'm wrapping up, but last but certainly not least, I want to tell you a couple true stories of incest in real life. Okay. Ugh. King Tut was married to his half-sister and was himself the child of an incestuous relationship between Akaratan and his unidentified sister wife. Okay. Cleopatra Seven was married to her younger brother, T- Ptolemy. I'm sure it's probably the P is silent. Mm-hmm. No, it's Ptolemy. While her mother and father, Cleopatra V and Ptolemy Seven, had also been brother and sister. Hmm. Charles Darwin was a faithful husband to Emma Wedgworth Darwin, his first cousin. Wow. This story is a little nuts. Are you ready? Yeah. Barbara Bakeland was a wealthy socialite and model for Vogue and Harper's Bazaar in the mid-50s. She had a complex and allegedly incestuous relationship with her son, Anthony, who was gay or bisexual. She attempted to fix her son by hiring prostitutes to have sex with him. After this failed, she allegedly manipulated or coerced her son into having sex with her. That's fucking weird. Over the years, Anthony's mother had several violent arguments involving knives. In 1972, he murdered her by stabbing her with a kitchen knife. Shit. She was 50 years old at the time. And he was 25. Isn't that kind of crazy? That's all crazy. The whole thing's fucked up. On the eve of her first marriage, Mackenzie and John Phillips from the Mamas and Papas partook in a serious narcotics binge, and Mackenzie blacked out. When she woke up, her father was having sex with her, and then they had a consensual sexual relationship for 10 years. The relationship ended when Mackenzie became pregnant and feared that her father was the father of her child. He paid for an abortion. And then that's when the relationship came to an end. Yeah. And last but not least, Jerry Lee Lewis was just getting famous for 
his wild piano playing and hit single Great Balls of Fire when he decided to take his third wife. Unfortunately, she was the 13-year-old daughter of his first cousin. A movie was made about it called Great Balls of Fire in 1989. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Randy Quaid played Jerry Lee Lewis. Do you remember who played his 13-year-old cousin no, wife? No. It was one Nona Ryder. Really? Yep. Huh. She was 13 and played that. the cousin wife. Hmm. That is my episode. What do you think about it? Pretty incest? fucking disturbing. <laughs> Pretty fucking disturbing, but very illuminating. Yeah. There's a couple of things that you didn't bring up, and I'm sure it was for time or anything, but um, I wanted to just kind of Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, there were so many incest movies of yeah. where it was kind of like a subplot or something like that. Not a lot of movies where incest was the whole thing. Right. But there were so many, and by the ending, I was just like, this is going to be the longest episode I've ever recorded if I don't cut some stuff out. So I know you've got a couple to add. Yeah, well, Angel Heart, we've talked about in several course, episodes, yeah. and Mickey Rourke was the lead in that movie, and of course, Lisa Bonet was in there as well. He ends up having sex with her in that famous scene where it's the rain turns to blood yep. and while they're having sex, and it was cut because it was rated X. And it turned out that she was his daughter. That's right. Later on in the, in the movie, you find that out. And then another horror movie, you mentioned Wes Craven, but he did the movie People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. And the you think as a married couple, I think it's suggested or even oh. told that they're brother and yeah, sister. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, so there was that, and they were all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a movie, it's a Korean movie, and it was remade in an American movie, Old Boy. Yeah, and that was a revenge film. I never saw it, and I heard it's worth seeing. I just never saw it, but I know one of the big reveals in that movie is the lead character who's out to get revenge because he was locked away for a long period of time ends up having sex with someone that turns out to be his daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I think he cuts his own tongue out to repent or something. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it sounds familiar. I've, I saw it a while ago, and that was on the list that I ended yeah. up cutting for time, too. So, yeah. Oh, there were so many that I cut out. And no, I know. Just, I understand. Um, yeah. So, um, But, of course, if any of the listeners think that I missed anything, I'd love to hear about it. Oh, um, definitely. This was years and years in the making, but I'm glad I finally did it. I enjoyed it. I find it a little uncomfortable that I thought some of this was sexy and you're like, you're disgusting. I mean, to be honest, there are plenty of things I find you disgusting more so than liking this episode. Okay. But I mean, that's kind of gross. Uh, however, you, you did introduce me to Spider Baby, so I'm excited to see yeah. that. Okay, good. So as long as I brought you something, I guess... Right, I got something in, We've taken anything away from this. Incest is not sexy, and a movie called Spider Baby exists. And that's all you need to know. All right. All right well, thanks, everyone, and thanks, Marlis, for for- forcing me... <laughs> thanks, Marlis. ...for putting the gun to my head and basically saying you're going to publicly shame me if I don't do this episode. Right. So. You better like this episode. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you next thanks. week. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources. As well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. Starring Spider-Baby and Lon Chaney. Do you think the 
that Lon Chaney was like really angry about the like billing issue of Spider Baby. Yeah, I feel like he probably called his agent after that and was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, because Spider Baby, first off, that's not a real person. That's not a that's not a person. And they were like, "Spider Baby, starring Spider Baby." And Lon Chaney. And right. it's like, Lon Chaney must have been like, Spider Baby isn't a person, isn't real. Right. And also, the movie is called Spider Baby. It makes no fucking sense. It's like saying, Star Wars starring Darth Vader and Harrison Ford. Right. What exactly. the fuck is that? <laughs> it doesn't. Well, it also, like, it could, it's also more like Star Wars starring Star oh. Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Darth Vader, Harrison <laughs> Ford, and Lon Chaney. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense at all. It was really weird. Yeah, that's some weird shit. I'd be mad as fuck. I if would I be was like, "This movie. is not fair." I'd I am fucking Lon Chaney. Yeah. How dare you put Spider Baby yeah. in front oh, of I'd me? Be, I'd be tearing my agent yeah. a new one. Yeah. yeah, fuck you, Spider Baby. Fuck you. <laughs>